0: to the Danger Room, a place to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy and how to level up your game in Marvel Crisis Protocol. We will have our Xavier Protocol segment, some hot takes discussing something new and shiny, and our main topic of the week. We would like to begin by thanking you, the listener, for giving us your time to listen to our opinions of the game. On the podcast, we have Jacob, Sploosh, and myself, Dizzard welcome back to another week of the danger room and we have a oh uh how do i say it a very special episode for you guys this week because this episode will mark our 50th episode that we have put together for you guys from different themes as interviews and our weekly episode um and just everything that we have done throughout this past, what, eight months, roughly? Um, And Sploosh has some special things he wants to give out um, to signify some very special people.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, I'll just say, first of all, I'm thankful for you two. Uh, The fact that we came together and made this, uh, appreciate you guys getting me involved in in us doing this. It's kind of crazy, like how, You know, we've created a routine here and uh, been able to put this together with each other and, you know, different things up and down. You going to a combat zone and (laughs) desert and, you know, uh, getting through uh, Jacob's mic situation, (laughs) which, uh, you know, is a good segue to our our patrons, patrons that uh, have contributed a little bit of money here and there to help us out and kind of encourage us and, you know, show us that they appreciate the things we've put out there. Um, All the people that contribute in Discord and chat with us on a daily basis, it's always really cool to be uh, at work and have a little distraction every once in a while during the day. Um, And then we've had lots of great guests, uh, sometimes people on when I'm not around, um, but uh, I do want to make an extra point to uh, acknowledge each um, guest we've had. I've had many guests and Having different opinions and sometimes just a new voice uh, on here. Uh, so I'll just mention in no order in particular. Uh, we've had Norbert, TBE Matt, uh, Utility Cookie, Hugo, Omnis, Coffee Time, Mandalorian Orange, Kenny G, GD Nerd or Mark Garo. I believe I said that right. Uh, Suzume Kaizo or I Leaf. I
2: said that one right. Yeah. I-
1: I actually said that right, oh my god. Uh, Wargaming Dad, uh, Ghost Deer, who I think his name is Nate, uh, Quote My Name, and Sooner uh, also joined us. Uh, also, just uh, a shout out to all those willing to uh, participate in the top four interviews and the Illuminati episode, which I can't wait for more of those uh, in the future. So uh, just thanks again, everyone. Uh, so cool to be involved in this little project. And uh, just wanted to throw that out there to everyone.
2: That's cool. I just wanted to uh, add in one or two Two, two names, because you've missed one off the list. Uh, Just to add to that, uh, I think she missed off Kevin Stewart, who helped out on the portals discussion. So thanks, Kevin. And uh, a big thank you to Rebecca Banky for being so frank and honest. If you haven't listened to her episode uh, from around about uh, Christmas time, really worth a listen to go back and kind of expand your horizons on some trans issues.
0: Awesome. Um, me personally, I just want to second what spo said uh, about you guys doing this project with me because it's been an incredible time. And throughout my time playing games, like I said it in the Icebreakers episode. I've always tried to find like my little piece to get into like community involvement and all that. And this has been just absolutely fun. And uh, honestly, I've learned so much just from doing the show with you guys. And uh, just seeing the community stand up together. Um, I love our Discord. And like Spoosh mentioned, there's always conversations going on there that are interesting. And now we have a, a roster uh, building that's been extremely busy since it came. We put it up the other day. And it's just, it's just fun to watch everybody come together on these different things. And uh, if you're not a part of the Discord, I would highly recommend hopping in there and checking it out. Um, but... Thank you again for stopping by. This is the 50th episode, and this is a huge mile mark, and I'm glad we've made it this far, and thank you for joining us to this point. So let's get on to the episode. Uh, Jacob has some Xavier protocols that I think everybody will find fascinating to up their game with Spider-Foes, maybe?
2: yeah I mean this is kind of applicable uh, to pretty much every list but uh, this, this is going to link into what we're going to talk about with our hot take but I was just looking at the numbers against 4, 5 and 6 dice just vanilla attacks so if you get a 4 dice, 5 dice or a 6 dice attack and you can see maybe where the spider face is coming in because they have a, do got, have a lot of 4 dice attacks and just looking at the numbers for them and just seeing how much better it does get and I think the most telling stat is the median. And if you'll indulge me for a second, median is the kind of average, which is um, what, if you line up all the numbers, what's the one bang in the middle? Yeah, if you, what would that number be? So that's quite interesting when you're looking at your chances of how many successes you're going to get. What is the the chance of you getting more than this is 50% and less than this is 50%. So that's kind of like, it's sort of your expected. It's kind of where you should be calibrating your brain for when you're rolling those number of dice. And the median number of successes on four dice is two. Whereas the median number of successes on five dice is three and six dice is actually also three, but it's very nearly four. Uh, if you went down to the 45th out of 100 number rather than the 50th out of 100, then you'd be into fours. So it's almost four, but it is still three. So with both five and six dice builders, kind of, your expected results are three hits, whereas with four dice, it's only two hits, which kind of reinforces why four dice is just feels worse i mean obviously it feels worse rolling fewer dice is always going to feel worse but it feels a lot better going from four to five than maybe it does going from five to six Uh, and i think that kind of talks to why that is now there's other things like if let's say you're looking at four chance of getting four or more successes with four dice, you've got a fifteen percent chance. With five dice, that doubles to thirty percent. Thirty percent happens, you know, roughly one time out of three. So it's pretty, pretty common for you to to get four or more hits with a five dice builder. Um, and then that goes up by another fifteen percent to forty five percent with six dice. So you're uh, tripling your chances of getting four or more hits by going from four to six. Now, like this is no, this isn't. Uh, anything new more dice better okay i get it but it's kind of relevant for where we're going to come to in our hot takes so i thought it's worth just digging into that math a little bit
0: so moving on to our hot takes this week um just like jacob said math is going to come pretty handy with this guy we're going to be talk about craven um pretty average three threat except for the one cool thing with corner of the beast um but if he is spider foes which we all expect him to be he's bringing a much needed five die strike to (laughs) the list and he's three threat which i love because i was expecting him to be four threat i think he's be a very interesting addition um with them i think corner of the beast is just his coolest thing and it's basically bloodhound on lockjaw where you just Spin two power character within three and um, Oh sorry, I'm thinking of expert tracker, not corner of the beast. That's my bad. Ron one, expert tracker, spin three, choose enemy character, that's like bloodhound. Um, I was like, why there's so much more text here than normal? Anyways, excuse me, excuse <laughs> doing it on the fly. Um, yeah, so Expert Tracker, I think it's super cool. Uh, but Corner of the Beast is kind of neat. I just, I'm just i trying to think of where you're going to have the power to spend that in Spider-Foes when you're probably going to be wanting to get Expert Tracker out there. And this is going to come to the question of, he's really cool on paper, just like Lockjaw was, but is he going to mess up the tempo? Um, and I believe we've talked about that before, the tempo of the game. And is he going to fit into Spider-Foes in that way to where he's actually being a benefit or if he's actually messing up the game plan? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Jacob?
2: So, the question I always ask myself when I'm looking at a character is, am I going to take him out of affiliation? And I think probably the answer with Craven is probably not. There's maybe some corner case that I would like him, and I think probably that corner case focuses more on Corner of the Beast than it does on Expect Tracker. Uh, expert track is fun uh, it, it really is going to help out spider foes like we talked about turning those four dice builders into five dice builders he's very happy to go first in the round um, I think he, but where I really like him and where I can maybe see some some room for exploring him is if you go back and listen, if you haven't already, to our episode Extractor Fans, where we talk about hunters and holders for extracts. He is definitely, he's Craven the Hunter. His job is to go and hunt things. And I think he's a great hunter for extract carriers. He's he wants to move up to I can see quite happily double moving medium up to within three of some someone who's grabbed an extract and runaway. Maybe you've RD'd a power onto him. And then you're cornering the beast and making them choose, are you going to take damage to run away? So is really nice to see a character who can punish that I just run away game. And put that in combination with something like Cosmic Cubes. If they've picked up two cubes and then they're trying to run away, they're suddenly taking four damage. That's really painful. So I, I really like that they've brought in that. Ability into the game, and I think that's that's his USP, probably more than Expert Tracker, because as we've seen, the Expert Tracker is somewhere else already. But the issue of is he good enough to be played outside of affiliation, and to be just to be um, to be clear, we're looking at him from a competitive scene rather than. I think he's a perfectly valid character. He's going to you know play Craven, he'll do fine. But we're looking for is he is he top tier, and I think the comparison you've got to draw is the comparison with Zemo. So he's got five-dice builder with a re-roll, same as Zemo, uh, which is range two. He's got a range three spender, well, spender in quotes, because it doesn't actually cost him any power, but he's got a range three attack, which uh, allows him to move advanced medium. So he's seeming very similar to Zemo here. Uh, again, he's got that reroll built in. Uh, and he can get that free attack up to seven dice if he's already attacked with uh, Kakuri strikes with his, with his five-dice attack. So he feels really similar to Zemo in looking at his attack suite and the fact he's got rerolls on everything, but he's lacking charge and he's lacking a long move. And that's a huge part of Zemo's kit. And Zemo's seeing quite a lot of play. Um, he's great in Black Order. He's great in a number of other places, like stacking rerolls on rerolls on rerolls in Wakanda. Uh, so when you draw that comparison, he just feels a little bit less good than Zemo. I don't know, Splish, you've played a lot of Zemo. How does he compare, How does he compare?
1: Yeah, I think you're um I mean I think everything you said is correct. Uh one thing I'll just add is like Zemo's dice adding for his teammates is also um kind of like passive, right? With no yeah. cost really yeah. other than range. Uh where this guy requires you to actually spend time and like an activation to contribute his sort of helping hand, you know, uh with expert tracker or tech- even maybe even corner of the beast, you could see it as, you know, sort of a an action out of his activation. Um So I, I think Zemo's a great, I mean, and Zemo's a great, uh, comparison, you know, his, the fact he's got, I mean, he's got an auto bleed that's just like Zemo, and then the fact he's got elusive on his main attack, that's really cool, um, I think that's actually, like, one of his best attributes, um, but yeah, he's definitely very much like Zemo, the 3 3 3 with the he can reroll on defense just like Zemo can. Zemo has Master Swordsman though, and even Zemo's counterattack can be really, really good sometimes. Mm. Um, which, uh, you know, it, when somebody uses like, uh, what is it, uh, field dressing, and you threaten them with a counter strike, it can be very scary. Um, the spear thrust thing, it, it, people are going to think of um, Ghost Spider a little bit too. Um, yeah, Adding dice is very ghost spidery, even though it does kind of also remind you of Killmonger. I, I want to backtrack too in that Blizzard mentioned he's happy that he's a three threat. I, I agree with that. Um, it can't can't be underestimated or under underappreciated how having Green Goblin cost uh, four threat and then having Mysterio and this guy come out at three, that's like a big deal. Absolutely. You know, and uh, you know, I believe the devs would tell you that Storm was three threat for reasons of sort of like lore and gameplay more than because she's a a omega level character and i I have to think that craven was made a three threat instead of four uh for gameplay reasons i think maybe when you're looking at foes you're just like man they just they can't afford another four threat they really can't um Mm. i I tend to agree with that right um so i I will say like um, let's talk about his gameplay quickly uh How do you picture, like, him actually playing in a game? I know you mentioned, like, he's hunting extract people, which I agree with. But am I wrong in saying that, like, in the perfect world, you're hoping to do, like, the Kukri strike thing, like, first, which is a range two attack, even though he has no charge and he moves medium? (laughs) So would, would I be wrong in saying that he needs kind of for you to have priority?
0: Uh, I could see it being priority slash. You're running a very aggressive list because other thing you gotta think about is he's not very defensive. He's five health with threes across the board and only one re-roll. And if you're looking at Zemo, he's what five health on one side, six on the other, or these six and five, five and five. Yeah, with Master yeah, swordsman you get, that
1: can really bail yeah, him out. Yeah, you get sometimes. Master swordsman yeah. and
0: his re-rolls, so he's a lot more tankier when you're trying to compare the two. Um. But I think Craven priority maybe, but I think it's more so are you running a hyper aggressive list?
2: Yeah, or like a kind of a real in list. I could see uh, there's a couple of places where I, I would, if he was going to be played out of affiliation, where I would like to try him. I'd like to try him in X Men mm-hmm. to try and like catapult him in there to make up for the fact he hasn't yeah. been attacked, so I can see that. Uh, I'd like to try maybe in web warriors with all the pull you in shenanigans, uh, and maybe even black order, but I'm not sure he's going to replace Zemo in that black order list. Uh, I don't I think
1: yeah, and X-Men, more. I, X-Men generally wants to focus on maybe a more powerful character. That's not yeah. more, maybe more reliably, not going to mm-hmm. die maybe he's and like their... that's more reliably range three
2: yeah maybe he's their fourteen threat go-to though you know someone where you haven't got the budget to afford those powerful characters
1: but then don't you just take zemo and then you can use like maybe as like an aggressor instead you know as, yeah. as, as i mean i'm just being devil's advocate here but like i hear what you're trying to and i it definitely crossed my mind but it's just like when you compare them to other choices, it's kind of like, eh, is it worth the effort?
2: Yeah. I, I guess, okay, tying, tying back into my uh, hunter-holder paradigm, you can't uh, storm ninja flip when you're holding an extract. And if he's going to be your hunter, he's not going to start off holding one, and so he's more yeah. able to do the ninja flip. Yep. So maybe he's not your round one ninja flip, maybe he's your round two ninja flip after your round one has gone. And, you know, oh, yeah, it's definitely one.
1: not. It's definitely not round one, no way. Um, I'm like, okay, I, but so you guys agree with me though, right? That you you wanted to start range two. And then I think the dream is you use elusive to go to range three, which is yeah. still close enough to grab an extract if you gaze someone.
2: You can't go full range three. You have to be five inches, yeah, you, five, six inches. So uh, you y- need-
1: Yeah, using the measurement that our previous cast discussed. Yeah. Right with the difficult range. Though, if you're using the, the
2: short stick to elusive away, then ideally you want to use the medium move stick to get exactly five inches away. But you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the trick. Um so uh, in my dream world, you're using the strike, you, you elusive triggers, which you know it's a wild, so it might not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh well, then well, you five, do your spear five thrust re-roll. in range
2: three. Five dice in re reroll, you're looking at about fifty four percent of the time, so it's more likely than not, but it's still not guaranteed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So 50% of the time is good, but when it doesn't happen, you're going to be a little sad, I think. Um, unless, I guess, you daze the character, and who cares, right? Um, but, I mean, then you can trigger Spear Thrust. That gives you extra dice. It gives you power gain on the, all your attacks, you know, hits. And it will let you move again, right? If you want to. Uh, because you've already advanced, right? Off of Elusive, in theory? Yeah. So um, you go from range two to three to potentially wherever you want to be. It's almost like range five, of.
2: isn't it? Yeah, it's more than yeah out of range five.
1: So he's good at hit and run, like if he can activate first. And if he, Do you know who else like is really good at hit
2: and run for activating first? Who? Zemo.
1: <laughs> that's fair, um, but uh, you know, so that's that's the perfect dream, right? And then I'm not going to say he has enough power yet because we're probably talking like turn two. Uh, So he hasn't used Expert Tracker. But then next perfect world dream thing is maybe you do use Expert Tracker on a character that hasn't been dazed yet or Corn of the Beast on a character that's holding something nearby that hasn't been dazed yet. And then he's helping the team. And then if he kind of dies, it's kind of like, well, he did his job for that turn. Um, I mean, that's about his whole purpose, right? And there's not much more to it, right?
2: I, I think you can build a jank team around him. That's another option. How about you have something like Craven, Modoc, Enchantress, Loki, Mind Gem?
1: Well, you don't even have to go that deep. You can go in affiliation. He triggers Green Goblin's thing, Mysterio's thing.
2: Well, and I, then I I my thing there is uh, it's any advance, they'll take a damage after corner of the Beast. So if you bow to the Will of Modoc, they take a damage. If you Siren's Call, they take a damage. If you Mind Gem, they take a damage. So you can move double move pay two power i don't know r and some power into more whatever um and then move 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 move. you're moving a character around loads of places and every time you move them they take a damage so that's that's kind of cute and i can see someone building a fun like janky team uh i think that'd be a great like morlocks uh podcast roster to just go craven's going to put corner of the beast and then i'm going to move you around and you're just going to take damage from it that's fun
1: yeah yeah i mean you don't have to go um, deep so into you jank though, if said- you just play foes you have the team right because Mysterio moves people, right? Yeah. And Mysterio has the traps. And then um, Green Goblin triggers and he triggers. And then you just have an unaffiliated character like you described, like Enchantress or or whatnot, yeah, Lodak, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. And Team Booby Traps. Also, uh, Rocket Raccoon's probably really good in foes with his booby traps. Um, since he's the five dice plus one sort of thing with the foe leadership. Mm-hmm. And he probably has the power to spare i was just saying that you could do a really janky booby traps list. I don't even know if it's janky. I mean, technically everything in foes right now is jank, but it could change <laughs> if they get the tactics cards. I'm not wrong.
2: Yeah, maybe. Um, but it's more just kind of that reliable damage without rolling dice. that—that's that, good, and you know, that's potentially, yeah, uh, corner case competitive. Anything that you don't even
1: in that situation, you kind of want priority with this guy. That's the thing man maybe criminal syndicate with the all according to plan stuff or something i don't know they don't really play that style though like foes is trying to kill people make no mistake
0: they're trying though so <laughs> they haven't, <laughs> trying, haven't uh, if to, only yeah. they had more um, so-
2: they do lose to spider-man a lot so you know
0: um so Jacob already answered his. You said X-Men you think he'd be good in. Sploosh, you have something else you think Craven would excel outside of Spider-Foes?
1: At, at this time, no. Maybe, maybe that unaffiliated thing Jacob was kind <laughs> of talking about.
2: Well, uh, um, maybe, in like human, maybe? Oh, inhuman. simply because then he can round one corner of the beast and you've got some really strong like anti-extraction shenanigans play.
1: Yeah round one though passing power to him uh, yeah you know it's range 3 requirement right like yes, oh, so you you is. yeah is that make it, does that math like work i got to check that out
2: uh, and then you're range 3 so you've got like 10 13 16 inches or something yeah i think that checks out
1: you know what? i'm going <laughs> to measure it <laughs>
0: um to me so you got Inhumans, x men um I personally just want to try him in X-Force just because that's what I'm doing. Um, I have some ideas that I want to run and test them out with that I think might be interesting. But his biggest issue there is going to be the power and how is he going to get into the middle of the board easily and into range of people. But once he's there, I think it'll click. It's just getting him there, which is going to be the struggle because they don't really have anybody that helps you naturally move up like that. Um, but I want to second the X Men one. Uh, what's that? Sorry.
2: Maybe tax for analysis helps See, that's
0: that's something I was thinking about. Is maybe bringing that tactic card in. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I also think X Men as a side again. I want to hit on X Men because you got Storm flips, and he also might have stock running Cyclops because of field leader.
2: You know, apart from he really doesn't benefit from no, Cyclops but he, leadership
0: at he, all. He adds to the leadership, though, because he's not taking away from it. It's uh, not taking away the power, but he's providing power for it. Is he, though? I don't see why not. Because I was like, one issue when I was running well, Cyclops a lot is by the time you make the whole gambit, if your whole entire team is full of trying to cycle this power around, you're going to get to like one person or two people that can't actually do it because you spend all your power powering everybody else's.
2: Sure, but his kind of he's got sort of two builders because they're both zero cost and they both generate yeah. power. but what you think of as the standard builder, the two dice uh, range two, five dice, one, only generates one power, and admittedly that's a guaranteed power, which is not useless. I mean A so many times has done no damage but gained a power, so she can now bodyguard it's been yeah. really good. Um, but yeah, but his other builders, his other know. builder
0: is potentially a seven
2: yes potentially but you need to have <laughs> got the make to attack so that's kind of in the yeah. gift of your opponent uh and he's got decent i mean he has not you know you're right if he's on 10 power he can't spend 10 power i mean i guess he can put corner of the beast on loads yeah. of people yeah. and attacker on loads of people so maybe he can spend 10 power but I'm not sure. There's probably going to be one really good corner of the beast target mm-hmm. and one really obvious expert tracker target. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he does have spare power if he's been days. Well, see,
0: something. I I completely agree with like what you're saying. Like it seems eh, but I'm just I'm trying to throw out just some other ideas uh that get the get the people's brains going, and maybe we can make Cyclops great. But um... <laughs> I'm a... oh god,
1: I, I want to throw some stuff All in, right. guys. Um, the the thing double moving doesn't work. If someone's in their deployment zone, you're not going to mm. reach them.
2: That's true. Uh, but what if they've gone back and sat on like a bee shelter, bee, bee, um secure?
1: The corner of the beast is only that turn, right? So I mean, if you don't catch them before they move, no, it's until the end, end
2: of its next activation.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I learned something, everybody. Yeah. Uh, is it, it's next act. Ooh. Oh. Okay. And that's that's, the, that, yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Bone, then that's where you do might stuff. Have an and if they so again, is, they can. Yeah. Next yeah. activation is that's that um, changes a lot. That's a game changer.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, what do you guys think the possibility is of him bringing a drop-off style card?
1: I mean, we'll have to see, man. There's no point in speculating. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think like, that, so that would make so him. So it make him so good. I was talking to someone who who said that on stream they were asked if there would be another drop of for Green Goblin, and I, I realized I mean I wasn't there, but the person basically said they said no. <laughs>
2: so
1: um, oh
2: yeah, and also it doesn't really make much sense. He's kind of like a, a solo hunter tracker kind of guy, um, and so him delivering someone else, you know, it's not like he does no, got no, a fastball special. No, Goblin, or something like Goblin
0: just drops him off. Goblin just drops him off for the hunt. That's all. Oh, for okay. Goblins. So that's four what, Goblin people. So you... Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah
2: I mean, I, I think those, those were probably designed around that that kind of idea in mind. But, yeah, we are where we are. You know,
1: there's a rules thing I want to talk about, too. Expert tracker cannot double down, you can't target the same person with it. Because um, it doesn't actually say you can't. And you, tech- you actually could use it twice, but it would do nothing. Yeah, uh, I asked the, one of the judge guy from the forum and he, he's like, Yes, you would get to roll one dice once, even though <laughs> yeah, it, you know you're using it twice. It does combo with Lockjaw though. Yes. Yeah. So I they believe they're worded differently. No like yeah, the so dog hunt
0: or something. The ruling nice. is you can't be affected by the same thing twice. So like you can't be affected by his thing twice, but since Lockjaw's thing is a different named thing so you got bloodhound and then you got expert tracker so that's two different namings yeah. so that's why you can get affected by both of them at the same time.
1: Yeah good stuff so anyway I'm a degenerate that read that and said ooh it doesn't say I can't use it twice um, but I mean you could use it on like three different characters yeah so it'd be fine, but... yeah. I think, um, just not not to say this makes him good or bad or anything, but I just the way he's built is how I like a character to be built. He's got a lot of builder action, and then all his, like, power is getting spent as, like, abilities. Um, going back to kind of what you guys were saying about, you know, he would be using his power for other characters. I don't know if I agree with that. I think I'd be, that now especially now that I know it's next activation, mm. I would be more than happy to just, like, spam corner of the Beast and Expert Tracker. You know, that's fair. Um, assuming it's relevant to the game, so that's fair.
0: Okay, so I got that's one fine. last question on Craven for both of you. Does he make spider foes better, or are you just going to have to wait to see?
2: I mean, more options are always better. And he uh, at three threat, I, he's a Doc Ock is much hated, but he's kind of unspectacularly fine. Uh, he he does yeah. really well, and sometimes he'll spike really hard on his like double wild, double uh, double wilds. But yeah. most of the time, he's just kind of yeah, he's he's okay. Um, and I think a lot of the time, you'll be happier taking Craven because you'll be saying, well, even when he's not absolutely blowing up the world, which he might do with his five and then potentially seven dice attacks. But even when he's not, if he's getting a bit of power, then he's got good uses for that power, and I think he'll be fine. Um, just having a two cost, uh, two cost if power, which Ock doesn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I can see he's a he's a good three threat, and having fieldable options at a range of threat values is always good for an affiliation.
1: So, yeah, and having Mysterio come along with him, I think, is a big part of the whole thing too. I, I really like Mysterio; he's yeah. cool. Yeah, I can see
2: you know Goblin Craven Mysterio as a ten point core. I don't know if that's the best core, but it's a nice cheap core Shoot. that you can work no, I, with. I honestly
0: think you run all Spider-Foes. I think they might be one of the first affiliations that you're comfortable not really having to bring outside affiliation in at certain point values. Because I I no. think running... Uh, so that's 10. Uh, you could add Carnage, that's 14. Like That actually seems kind of decent at 14.
2: Okay. I mean, maybe... My issue there is, where is your where is your standout piece? Oh, you Christ. know, if you are
0: playing, out. what are you talking about? <laughs> uh,
2: okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're a lot of damage. You are not wrong, but then, given that you are playing Carnage, you are playing Green Goblin. Aren't you better off bringing in a Medusa, an Angela, an Enchantress, a Modok, someone who is you know top of their class for what they do and does the thing. Unless, unless there are tactics cards which care about affiliation, I don't see why you wouldn't do that.
0: Which,
1: which I agree with that. Yet. Which, <laughs> but I just as a side note, I love not convinced Jacob. I know. Davis. I just, I, just <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I
0: feel like if they can get a um, sp- I almost said X Force, uh, if they can get a Spider Foe affiliated tactic card that's like superb. Then I i honestly can see they have the characters that's too supported, like they're great on 1v1s and they're just really cool characters. I actually think Spider Foes might be one of the first affiliations that can be competitive running solely Spider Foes. I mean, man, the
1: A Force is out there, you remember You're that, right? Wrong. You're not really.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Avengers have got a lot better recently. You're, I'm not saying,
1: yeah, Avengers wrong. just got really let me have it. my dream. And and, then, and and Avengers oh, has hmm. tactics cards like Avengers Assemble or something. I mean, you know, it's like there's this thing called Wakanda Forever. It's really good. Well,
2: if they got Spider foes forever, yeah. yes, that make me run all Spider foes. And I think it probably does.
0: I mean, that would be crazy, though. Yeah, That'd that would be, be, actually... be fun. That would be really I wanna... fun. I'll...
1: Don't
0: get me excited like that, I wanna, man. I, mean, <laughs> so, and I know we're going real down the rabbit hole now, but give me a Sinister Six card that's basically Wakanda forever. Yeah, like It'd be sure. super cool. It'd be super broken, but it'd be super cool. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're going nuts. I don't even know what Sinister Six is. You don't know is, what Sinister so, Okay, uh, I'll well. have a talk with you later. <laughs> well, let's, not, let's not do Yeah, we'll All talk right. after.
0: Uh, so I think it's about time we move on. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of listener questions for this episode.
1: Well, hold up, hold up. We got tournament results, oh, which we've been neglecting. Yeah, you're right. You're weeks. right. I'm sorry.
0: Um, how has your guys's season five league been going? Let's start with Jacob.
2: So, uh, mine has been suffering. So my record, I'm 0 and 2, which I'm very disappointed with myself. It's not the performance that I wanted. But uh, I've had some time to reflect. I played two lovely guys. Uh, they made solid decisions. Um, they had d- dice were a factor, but they're always going to be in games. They weren't ridiculous. I, I can't complain. Oh my god! They just all these dice. Ultimately, my issue was I didn't have. It's a very busy time of the year for me, and I didn't have enough time to play my roster enough. I'm playing a Brotherhood roster. And uh, I came up against the same secure crisis twice, which was Mutant Madman. And the mistake I made was Asteroid Emming away from one side too early. Uh, and that's just down to lack of reps. If I'd have played that crisis with that roster more... I'd have delayed that by like a turn. Both of the games I lost 16-14. Uh, and just one turn of scoring and scoring a secure and maybe denying them, or maybe just spending the time to win one side and then teleport them over to the other side while just kind of holding the other side. It's just a lack of a lack of time with the roster. Uh, it kind of comes back to the kind of floor and ceiling we talked about. I think I, I know how the roster plays. I think if those hadn't been pay-to-flip secures, then the game plan I was running would have worked really well. But it was just lack of experience on that uh, crisis, which is in my roster. So I, if I'd have had the time for more reps, then I would have played it more. And I think I wouldn't have made those mistakes.
0: So I quick question, because I know this is something that we've been wanting to talk about. Um, would you say that you haven't been getting your deliberate practice in?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I've I've got a decent grasp of the basics, but ultimately to succeed at a competitive level, you need yeah. reps. Um, even the most intuitive of players, there are certain interactions and certain particular idiosyncrasies that you need to iron out and learn by losing, and then you won't make those mistakes in competitive games. And uh, my issue was I was making those mistakes in competitive games because I hadn't had the losing in non-competitive games to learn in.
0: Oh, fair enough. Uh, spo-
1: uh, I mean, I, I, I've i been playing Black Order, and I'm just to back up Jacob here, like, I think I, out of my first four games testing Black Order, just to see what I thought of them, I won one and lost three. And yet, I'm now 2-0 and o in the league, so, like, and... But those games were competitive too because, uh, you know, I was playing in a side. I was playing a Clicksilver event, so I, I used that as my practice instead of just doing a practice game. I did play a few other practice games. I lost one to like a swarm, which uh, I'll probably we could probably describe again in a, our topic for today. But um, I'll just say that like you gotta you gotta play, you know me losing in those early games like was kind of annoying but i was focused on learning more than anything and the win was sort of like a side thing you know um so i'm really grateful to have opponents that pressured me enough to force me to learn and uh you know get me to a place where i felt more comfortable um i i'll mention my opponents uh my first round opponent was daniel ferrentini he's a super nice guy he plays like a lot of competitive X-Wing and, um, you know, we just had a great time and it was good discussions and we seemed to know a few of the same people in the X-Wing community. So that was a good, pleasant time. And then uh, my last opponent uh, was Ryan Janway. Uh, He just had a kid, literally just had a kid. So uh, I'm sure people can imagine what that's like. It's kind of takes a lot of your focus and um, energy. And he wasn't as practiced as he wanted to be. Uh, And I think in our game, he felt a little down because black order can be like that, where you can get a little tilted, not to say he was tilted, but you can get a little disappointed in what's going on. Um, because maybe, you know, Corvus just refuses to die and it feels like, you know, someone's rolling eight hits and your characters are getting one shot, which happened. Um, but after, at the end of the game, we talked it out, and I think there was definitely like three things he probably could have done differently that could have made it an extremely competitive game. uh, you know, um, Props to Ryan. Uh, Ryan's taken me down in a few side leagues in the past, so I felt uh, a sigh of relief to kind of finally overcome uh, him a little bit because he's beaten me twice in our last games before, so that felt nice. But, you know, uh, roster-building kind of discussions, uh, it is what it is. I I know he'll come back stronger when he can change his roster and uh, make some adjustments like adding, for example, no more mutants Mm -hmm. to his list uh, and and just positioning better. Um, I will, just, I do want to throw something out there that I found interesting. There is this guy who unfortunately to be honest, in my defense, his name is weird. It's like S and X's and Z's and stuff. But, uh, there's this guy who's put, a, put together a Google doc and he's been, um, very actively, uh, recording every single win and loss in the league which is no small feat, man. Uh, He put together this beautiful Google Doc, which has every single affiliation's win rates and who they played against. Uh, I mean, you really name it, it's kind of in there. And I think the kind of breakout stat right now is Wakanda has a 71.88 win rate and Black Order following behind them at a 69.57 win rate, uh, which is super high. (laughs) uh i think competitively you want roughly a 55 or ish win rate for something to be considered pretty darn good Mm -hmm. and for these super high numbers i'm not trying to bring up any doom and gloom or anything like that i just think it's an interesting thing to know and possibly discuss in the future uh once we have more numbers it's only round two like it's super you know the league goes six rounds so uh i'm not you know, it is what it is. The first rounds are what they are. But that's pretty crazy. I mean, you've, the next highest win rates are like 52% webwares. And then basically everybody is 50% or lower. So it's a huge gap in win rates. Um, Wait,
2: you're trying to tell me Condor is good. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah. It's funny too, because Blackwater was actually winning on um, the first round with, with like the 70% and Wakanda had like a 68 or something. And uh, I found it funny that it kind of flipped and uh, it should be absolutely no shock to anyone that Wakanda is doing well, but oh man. Wakanda is just going nuts this season. Uh, And I honestly, props to the community, right. For stepping up and just saying, Hey, this is good. We're playing it. Um, You know, some people apparently are taking this season seriously. Uh, Wakanda numbers have always been a little too low. If you, you know, this is our 50th episode. And if you remember, Jacob, do you remember how much we mentioned Wakanda in our first episodes? Like, you know, we were talking about, you know, what extracts to take and different styles of play. And back then, I mean, it was like dismal numbers, right? Like, Wakanda was like six or something percent played in the leagues, right? You remember that? Yeah,
2: everyone was on the, the Spider uh, spider Train. Like, yeah, everyone was right?
0: playing the new stuff. Yeah.
2: And then all those, all those people, all those control players were trying out the new shiny mm-hmm. control. Uh, and leaving, leaving behind the Wakanda control.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of an, um you know. I don't want to get too stuck on this topic, but it is funny too because people love to use the word "power creep" when they describe games and when they're frustrated. But Wakanda is like, I think the first affiliation in the game, right? I mean, it's the first expansion, obviously expansion a, yeah, yeah, first, yeah, outside of corset, obviously, but I mean, literally the first, right? I mean, they were the very first, I believe. Yeah, is I'm pretty Wakanda. sure they have God, yeah. yeah. Yep, so here we go. Um, power Creep, what? <laughs> Modok was also <laughs> released with um, the core set and Hulk, so just saying.
2: Wait, you're, you're,
1: yeah, so I, we're going to probably you're, hit you're, the uh, numbers later on, weeks from now, but I just thought that was that really looks, crazy. It's definitely interesting.
2: Um, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I mean, you're right, small sample set, and these numbers do spike around, but I mean, that chimes with a lot of what we're hearing from people who seem to know what they're talking about, so
0: yeah. maybe they're right um so my season five is not happening um i actually did not sign up for season five because um i guess a little bit of news um i will probably it's probably my last episode for a couple weeks because i am transitioning back home so that is why i am not participating in season five but in the meantime i am testing things out like x-force and x-men and craven um so i am in the future. <laughs> um so, so yeah and you're moving like after that's, you're that's not for that that's not for a few months on? but um eventually uh, i'll be moving i'll okay. be heading up to virginia and i will bring our shenanigans to the turn zero folks and the tag store <laughs> um but but yeah so um that's that's what's going on with my season five is heading home so i am very excited um
1: Stable electricity, stable (laughs) internet.
0: uh, All Mm -hmm. all the things. (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, this is probably the last time I'll be on on for a couple of weeks, but uh, it's for good reasons. All right, so uh, topic of the week, as I kind of hinted at during Jacob's recap of his season two or season five so far is uh deliberate practice um and jacob has been really wanting to hit on this and cover this for a long time i think you first brought up the topic like our second month of doing episodes uh something like
1: that. i think like yeah, November. Was a long
0: time ago so we're finally getting to it um so jacob can you tell everybody what we mean by deliberate practice
2: Sure. So this is a term that I came across in some uh, professional development I did as a teacher and the idea that when you, you're teaching kids things, you need to give them time to practice the, the, things that you're, the skills that you're teaching them or the knowledge you're teaching them. And the, the best way to do that is what they call deliberate practice, which is where, let's take maths as an example, if I teach you how to multiply fractions, I then give you a whole load of fractions to multiply, and you are practicing that skill, having shown, looking for where you're making mistakes, talking about it with people around you, seeing it, how they're doing it, uh, and learning by by practicing this thing which you have been shown. And I think that translates really well into war games in the. When you've built a roster, you have an idea of how you think that roster's going to work. Okay, so my here's my plan. If I win priority, I'm going to take extracts. I'm going to pick either cubes or um, spider-infected, and I'm going to run Angela and do cool stuff with Angela. And you go, great, this is my plan. What I need to go away and do now is I need to go and practice doing that plan. I'm going to go to my opponents and go, hey, do you mind if we run it with me winning priority and taking extracts? Uh, just because this is what I want to practice. So approaching your non-competitive games with a mentality of, here's a thing, I'm going to practice and approaching your opponent and saying, do you mind if we do this? And maybe they'll say, Oh, but I really wanted to, I'm trying to practice this. And you go, Oh, well maybe in that case, great. I'm going to, I'm going to zag into great. You've got priority. Let's give you priority. You're going to run your thing and I'm going to run. Here's my plan for without priority. And here's what I think is going to work. Or here's uh, Oh, I can see you're going to run that kind of play, that kind of Angela play. I've got a plan for that. Here's my plan. I want to practice to see, does it work? Mm-hmm. So that idea of entering into your practice games with a mentality of here is what I am trying to learn or trying to verify or trying to see if it works the way I think it does. And clearly one game is not enough to do that. You need a few games uh, and then you need to be looking at and you need to kind of be looking for spikes and flubs and trying to discount those a bit and go, well, it didn't work, but the reason it didn't work is this one critical role. I just got no successes. Mm Um, so having it in the right context as well but the the key idea there is the approach that you have to the game um, when you're practicing and setting up with your local group or having a group online um, I know the competitive EU players we've got a little section of a discord channel which we talk to each other about things and we arrange games and we play games against each other And a lot of that is this embodiment of deliberate practice going, I've got this new list. I really want to try this. Um, And really going, oh, or has anyone got a good, uh, Black Order is a problem for me. Can anyone play Black Order into me so that I can try out my strategy for testing against Black Order rather than, hey, do you fancy a game where you might get any, any, any kind of person playing any kind of list. If you know, Uh, like my Pentathletes roster, the the Defenders roster, I knew that Black Order and Brotherhood were problem matchups. So when I was playing that, I would go and go, right, who's got a good Brotherhood roster? Who's got a good Black Order roster? I want to play those games. I want to see. I think I've got a plan. Does it work? Huh, that really didn't work. Okay, I need to come up with a better plan for how I'm going to deal with you. Um, Or uh, I need to come up with, you know, this particular set of deployments, or I need to... Make sure I'm going wide enough to be able to cover off these extracts while also these secures in order to get enough victory points to get ahead so it doesn't match about the attrition lead that I'm going to lose. Those kind of things are what I'm talking about.
0: So something I think that like kind of wraps all this in of like deliberate practice and all that is when you come into a game of a tournament game is you're not sitting there spending five to ten minutes thinking... Oh, I got this matchup, I want this. No, I don't want that. I want this. And like like basically just not truly really knowing your roster that you should in a tournament scene. So, um it's, like it, it's all about like knowing your point values and what you're playing in different circumstances in those certain matches. Um, it very help much helps you be organized and expedient when selecting your roster and you already know what you're facing and you're pretty much prepared until they throw a curveball at you because it's people playing and not ai um which would be very interesting but anyways um and like it's kind of cool because like if you look at tts there's that whole like handy function of like you could set your teams for different threat values and all that and that like, you, you can really utilize that, especially after doing this deliberate practice and knowing what your roster does and what point values you want to do it. Like, if I asked Jacob, like, what is your 17 for your current roster? I mean, actually, you said you haven't done deliberate practice how that much that's your current roster, but if I said pentathletes, what's your 17 for pentathletes? You could probably spout it off, like, well, for this scenario, I'm going to yeah. do this. For this scenario, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, it. first of all, like, if you're looking at a tournament scene, if you go back to our... um we had an episode where we talked about helpful tip t- helpful tips for tournaments and that's like doing everything you can to like maintain your composure not be stressed out about an event um especially when you get to like super high level events like where multiple like like a, uh, a whole bunch of people are playing is being practiced and having like your set matches pretty much already planned um you you go into a game completely just chill um and that's like one of the best things, in my opinion, that deliberate practice does for you. And I love it. Like, Splucia and I will play games all the time and we'll go back through and, um, like, we'll just set up a deployment and then, like, no, actually, I don't like this. Let's, let's, let's do something a little bit different because this needs to be here and not here. Um, and that's that's part of deliberate practice, is practicing your deployment. Um, like uh i know people in different games i do it in this game i'm sure jacob does in this game i'm sure sploosh does in this game where like just practice setting up your deployment on different scenarios over and over and over again so you have an idea of especially x-men x-men it's huge to do it on because you're trying to plan that round one jump um and it's just something cool to look at and you start realizing different things the more you practice your deployment and that's one thing that I really want to like stress is deliberate practice on deployment is probably one of the biggest things that you can help yourself out with
2: and you well, can I, do that without anyone else mm-hmm. there as well
0: yeah I mean I,
1: I kind of want to make a difference though I think there's practice you can do on your own like creating your roster I mean you could do that in the bathroom yeah. with enough apps and all that stuff I mean you, you, so you're getting your practice in every time you, you know you go to the the bathroom. <laughs> so, but I think for, for focus practice, it's when you're interacting with other people. You, you've already done mm-hmm. some of that other homework. I mean, not to say you can't like learn in the moment and discuss what you did with your opponent, but I, I do want to say there's two different ways to do this. And and I'll just backtrack by saying first of all, I don't think I've met anyone in ever that said they have too much time on their hands. <laughs> I mean, people are busy, you know, life is busy, you only have so much time to play games i'm sure nobody plays as much marvel crisis protocol as they wish they could um you know i have to, half the discussion we've had today was about you know my opponent you know having uh real life things getting in the way and jacob wishes he could have got some more practice in so obviously you know time management is a big deal so you want to be efficient with your time so if you're going to play with your uh you know friends uh just a regular random fun game uh Use some of that time to practice something. I mean, maybe your fr- your friend's cool with just uh, picking who has priority and what secure um, objective or, ex- you know, ex- extract objective you're going to pick before the game even mm-hmm. starts. Um, I-, I find most people don't care if they're just having fun. Um, and you might care because, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, I was practicing... Um, X-Men and I was doing a lot of Corvus but I didn't get a lot of time in with Medusa so I wanted to make sure that the threat values that were good for Medusa uh, I got some practice in for and I was actually confident that that was even a good choice to play her and and how to play her etc etc so I was deliberately choosing threat values and objectives that were relevant to that Um, that's just something I think you can do pretty much in every game if your opponent's up for it and if it's a friend of yours, I mean, it's an easy, quick discussion and, and that's it. And they might have something they want to practice. So maybe, you know, the threat value is something they want to practice and the actual extract or something is something you want to practice and you can kind of both do it. Even if it's not even like really how the game works. I mean, you could do like a 16 threat game, even though it's actually like supposed to be a 17 threat game and just pretend like, you know, the threat's different because someone picked a different thing. Um so, you know, that, that's one of the biggest ones I personally do. Um, and that's something you can do that's not r- officially a practice yeah. game. That's, that's what I'm trying to hint at here. So um, now you can declare something a practice game and tell your opponent, hey, this is a practice game, and I'm more interested in the practice than I am in who wins. Uh, and so an example of something you might do differently is if your opponent just, like, blows you off the table with some insane dice roll, Maybe be willing to back up a couple damage to make it like maybe the character you know lives at one instead, um, because possibly that insane blowout dice roll might just shake the game up so much that it's not really like <laughs> competitive yeah. anymore, you know. I'm, you know, I mean, within reason. Sometimes I'll I'll keep playing anyway because I want to see if the team can pull out of this really bad situation. But it it is a completely valid thing to say to your opponent like, hey man, like. Can we just like pretend that role wasn't so insane, um, or it could just be like you know I made a move that clearly was a terrible move. Do you mind if I just like make a different one because we both know that if I make that move the game instantly ends or it's it's just a horrible mistake. Um, you know, if you're if you're interested in a fun game and to learn that that's a kind of mindset you might want to enter a game with. Um, And it doesn't mean you're the only one learning. Um, It is cool when you say to someone, and it's really cool to have a group where you can say, hey, can someone play Black Order for me? That is definitely a great experience for you. But your opponent might never want to really play Black Order or maybe not even play it correctly. Um, So I'm not saying that's wrong, and it's great when you have it. But most opponents want to play their own thing and want to learn something themselves. So if you could kind of combine that and make it a little bit of a teamwork thing, that's that's a good thing Mm -hmm. to do. now, I will say, too, that this is difficult to do based on how familiar you are with your list. Like, I, I've had rosters I throw together, and I have absolutely no idea what's about to happen. I, I don't know the, how what the tempo is going to end up like, how the characters are going to perform. So in that situation, it's hard to um, kind of do any kind of, like, hyper-focus thing, but you can just, like, you know, still kind of get in, like, ideas of, like, this is the lineup and this is maybe how fast the game's going to play. Uh, you know, choosing like say Gamma versus like Demons Downtown or something. Um, but once you know your list really well, that's when this is even more effective because, like we've been saying, you pick this very specific thing that you need to work with, like a threat value or objective, um, or a character lineup that you haven't practiced mm-hmm. enough. And I do think that's where it comes more in handy. Um, and then that's like where you get those like extra percentages, which in competitively those extra percentages. Are the difference between like Jacob having that like sixteen fourteen and fifteen fifteen scenario, right? It's literally like one just game where you've got a little practice and and understand your list just that tiny bit better.
0: Well, know? it's like the um, the other thing that I want to yeah. mention uh, real quick is especially like with my time here. It's hard for me to get games because not many people want to put up with my, with my ping. Um, so like the thing that I do the most since I've been here is shadow boxing. Um, which if anybody doesn't know what shadow boxing is, it's basically you play against yourself. Um, You set two teams and you just play. Uh, I try to be as unbiased as I can. Uh, Like, yeah, I'm working on like one roster and I'm probably favoring them more, but try to be as unbiased and just play the game from both sides like I want both sides to win. Um, And it's a really fun exercise to really hit on, again, deliberate practice. And it's super easy with TTS because... You could literally play round one over and over and over and over again until you like you find like this is exactly what i want to be doing in certain matchups against different types of lists um and shadowboxing is just great because like it's been a great tool for me to really flush out some rosters that i've been working on um and just testing new things and all that and that's like if we go back to like stuff you could do by yourself, um, give give Boxing a try. It may seem boring at first, but you may find out something about a list you're running that you didn't notice before because you were too afraid to try it or something like that. Um, it's all about the practice.
2: Yeah, and I think this kind of the deliberate practice you do with a list does change as you get more experience with it. Like I said, I think when you start out, you're looking at what is my game plan, how does my game plan work? And then you get into sort of plan B, plan C, plan D, as you're like, you become confident with your plan A game plan. You're like, right, well, let's let's go down a level, let's go down a level, let's go down a level. And the best rosters are the ones where you've got those plans all the way down. You go, you know what, I, I've lost priority and they've given me extracts. I've got a plan for that
0: yeah uh it just comes back into for me this is like my last point that i want to make um you i don't know what you guys else have but um another thing with deliberate practice is knowing round one plays and how to com- combat them or utilize them properly um and this comes back to just what you just said uh, back when like hired muscle was huge uh like <laughs> (laughs) You just play over and over again, trying to figure out the best way to go against it or use it. Um, Like all these round one plays that people keep coming up with, like knowing how to use them, use against them, all that type of stuff. Like deliberate practice is great in actually making it a, a negative play experience into an actual game.
1: I'll say as a kind of a last thing is if your friend really is hyper into this focus practice and you're kind of less into it, you or maybe you feel like you kind of already know as much as you need to know on your roster. It can be fun to play the boogeyman list that maybe you would never, and this is more, maybe more of a TTS thing, but I know that there's a lot of us out there that just buy everything (laughs) for maniacs. Um, But playing the boogeyman list against your friend just to see what it's like to be on the other side. You know, maybe you would never play that list like competitively because you have reasons. Uh, You know, we've all been there where, you know, there's just a list just doesn't speak to you, but it still can be fun and educational to play from the other side of the coin, you know, and, and see what it's like to be that. Team and what find their weaknesses that maybe aren't so obvious to you until you play the list Absolutely.
0: yourself. So, we're gonna go ahead and move into our listener questions. We got a bunch this time, um, so we're gonna hit through these. Um, I just want to thank you guys all for utilizing Discord, Facebook, trying to um, reach out to us and ask these questions. I know there's some of them on here we haven't hit for a while, like I have one on here from February. Um, but we're, we're hitting it now. Uh, so the first one uh, is from Jonah back in February. Um, what do you think would make the best unaffiliated teams at each? I,
2: I think your starting point there is kind of your, your tier list. Um, who are the best characters in the game? So if I'm throwing Modok, Enchantress, and Medusa together with... Um, uh, and eh? you know, or a or
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> any of these people. I think it's going to be some semblance of those, and it's going to look a little bit like a uh, like an A force mm-hmm. list. Uh, there's a lot of good female characters. <laughs> um, but if that's if that's what I'm trying to do, and I think then it's just a question of trying to find which ones slot together well. Um, yeah, I think that would be my starting point. Just start with who I think are the best models um and just kind of start piecing them together like that
1: i would add to that best models that uh like are independent right um right like just models that like they don't need anyone's help they're just good kind of i hate to say it everything but like there are characters out there that just kind of feel Mm -hmm. good at everything you know like valkyrie really comes to mind it's just like she can do whatever she wants to do uh and that's just that so uh, yeah, like very independent characters that are just kind of very flexible and kind of good at everything. Uh,
0: for me, something that I've actually kind of been interested in trying since thinking about this question is sticking three threat or below and just going a massive swarm with no restrictions. Because when people are making swarm lists, they're looking at trying to keep affiliated and it's causing some issues with roster building. And maybe this is where you build your massive swarm list is unaffiliated. Like it could be fun. Um, I might actually try this out.
2: Just take like five two threats and five three threats and just pick the best two threats and the best three threats.
0: Uh, I think it might actually be good enough to be completely overwhelming or it's just going to (laughs) crumble. But it's an experiment I'm going to run. I think I'm going to try doing that later this week. Um, But I'll report back on that.
1: I think a developer uh, said to somebody somewhere that they felt unaffiliated was like, secretly really good I, I don't remember who said that i almost yeah, think it's I, ominous but i don't want to misquote
2: yeah no i heard um, that from jay larson on recalibration matrix who's got a direct line into a hmm. yeah
0: all right so our second question is from rakesis uh how do you go about choosing secures and extracts and even more important threat values for the matchup are you more interested in getting things your team is good at or made for or getting things your opponent is bad or poor values they struggle to hit well with who they want to play? Um, I'm just going to say real quick, we did do an episode early on focusing on um, crisis. Um, it probably needs a little bit of update with the new crisis, but the same concepts really kind of apply. Um for me, personally, it's all about creating a goal and picking secures and extracts that are really um, just appeal to the fact to the affiliation. So yeah, uh, when I look at crises, I look at how is this going to benefit the team that I want to play right now? Because I'm silly and I really like to play things like X-Force and Spider-Foes before they get their toys. And... Um, I look at things that appeal to them and that focus on their game plan more so than things that are going to upset my opponent's game plan. Because if I can play something really good, I'd rather bank on that than hoping my opponent isn't practiced on this other scenario. So if I can be really good at things that are good for my fa- my affiliation, then that gives me a leg up over potentially providing something that's bad.
2: Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. Uh, There's a couple of sort of rule of thumbs, which um, a lot of you listening might already know these, but just in case you don't, uh, try and deny, if you win priority, try and deny criminal syndicate secures. Uh, That's less true than it used to be because of the new research crisis, but they might discard it. So it's still kind of true. Try and, if you've got priority, try and deny black order extracts. So try and get a high-scoring extract. That's one of the best things you can do against them. Um, If you're going against Web Warriors, try and play Demons Downtown because they don't like that they can't pull people around and control the secures as much, and it's just a slowing down the game, uh, and it's incinerating them, which they really don't like. If you're playing against Wakanda, don't give them secures unless you can go five wide or you have some very specific tech to take on a Wakanda Wave-style list. Um, these are you know, just some general good principles. So there's an element of reading your list and reading your opponent's list and thinking, right, are there any uh, bear traps that I need to sidestep? And once you've sidestepped the bear traps, then you think, right, now what's kind of my game plan? What do what I want to be doing here? Uh, mm-hmm. So it's there is it's a little bit of both of those elements of the question. It's a little bit of what's my game plan, and there's a little bit of, What can I do to try and mess with my opponent and try and give them a a crisis setup that they're not as comfortable on for the roster they build? And then to an extent that applies to threat choice as well. So then you've chosen your crisis and then you're looking at your threat. Um, I know Sploosh is a big fan of trying to find holes in his opponent's roster at threat values. We've talked about that on the pod before. But going, huh? I really don't think they can build a good eighteen, for example. So I am going to play hammers because I don't think I think my eighteen is way better than their eighteen, or I really like the matchups in my eighteen versus their eighteen. It means that I can get, you know, they they've got to play Black Panther, and I I can then bring in uh, a big Mystic attacker to go and take Black Panther out of the game without batting an eyelid. Uh, so those totally exist. That's very nuanced and very kind of high level. So if you are earlier on in your exploration of the game and you're looking for tips, go back to some of those simple examples I gave and write them down and learn them.
1: Uh, I would recommend episode four and episode six, <laughs> which is our crisis discussion and who's <laughs> the beat down. to um, so the answer to the question, I'd say, yeah. why not both? You know, if I can both get a, ga- a positive for me and a negative for you, I want both. I don't want one or the other. I don't really want to have to choose, <laughs> you know, uh mm-hmm. I, I will say though i love what you said about the bear traps thing um you know just as an example uh like black order for example they love to slow the game down and that tends to happen through the extracts so that's to me their bear trap and in a syndicate or like you said criminal syndicate's another great example of how they warp the game around how secures work so you would want to like not really let them have secures even though there is now an extract that acts like a secure it is what it is hopefully they'll discard it um, so yeah, I, I think that sums it up pretty well. And I think that our previous episodes uh, hold over to pretty well. The game has gotten more complicated and Jacob gave great examples of like, how the game has gotten more complicated and very great examples of, of those.
0: Awesome. Um, next one is from Lexa White, and that is, what is your favorite character to play in a casual, non-competitive? Uh, Hulk,
1: vibe? hands down.
0: Um, for me. <laughs> yep. oh,
2: Hulk. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, sure. To, but you say way. you know, let's have a casual game. I'm like, great. I'm gonna put Hulk on the table. In I don't know. Let's put him in X Men and see what he does. It's just fun. Yeah. Hulk's fun. Not necessarily very good. You need to be really precise uh, with your use of him uh, and your list you build around him. <laughs> but he's just fun. Do
1: you got one?
0: For me, I would say Green Goblin. Um, I just, I love the character. I love the model. Uh, it's probably my favorite model in the game right now. My other one would probably be Ghost Rider just because I love the models. Um, but yeah, Green Goblin is probably the first one I go to just because he's he's fun. He's the first like crazy model that has a completely different side um you could do some crazy themes like how jacob's talking about with hulk and i just really want him to work
1: uh for me it's always been gamora i she's she's sort of a cute character you have to build around so i would be happy to build around her and try to just slay slay people i could have
0: sworn you I could have sworn you used to throw her in almost everything. Oh, and I
1: used to have friends make fun of me for it and say, what the hell are you doing? And (laughs) I did it anyway, because I really did feel I had a place randomly. Um, But she's been kind of overthrown a little bit by other things. I don't actually own Ant-Man, which is funny. But on TTS, um, I love Ant-Man. Now, Mm -hmm. he's awkward and only to me fits in Criminal Syndicate, but... Like, thematically, he's so, like, coolly designed, and it's just kind of neat playing him. Um, I like rolling a lot of dice, clearly with Gamora, and Ant-Man's got that, like, six-dice punch, which, clearly, I like to swing at people, so just the way Ant-Man moves and stuff is really fun. Nice.
0: Uh, From Quinn, he points me out and says, car, and my only response is, car. Uh, Next question. Uh, Sectix, what is your top tip against each affiliation or even just your most hated to play against? Um, I'll answer this real quick for me. I don't really have a most hated affiliation to play against, and... I don't know. I guess it really kind of depends on how the team is built because a lot of teams have kind of a dual purpose where they can go one way or the other. Like they could play most teams. uh, Most teams can't really pull off a good control, but it's either going to be like an aggro attrition or um, like a a super hybrid. Um, And it really kind of depends on how they build out their actual team to play with. Um, I don't really know how you guys feel about that, but I don't i think it's different unless you're going against i guess specifically black order which jacob already listed that with play something uh fast and what wakanda yeah, play something sure. slow herbs is a um, great shot against honda like there's some stuff like that uh, i'm sure jacob has more yeah cycles.
2: um so i think okay so my least favorite uh team to play against is probably black order there's i've played against some really good black order players and it can be a really difficult matchup Uh, so tips for uh playing against black order i think we talked about speeding up the game that's definitely one of them try and make it a fast game that uh will make them sad uh but i you need to go one of two routes really either you need to go uh, control heavy and get like get your shuri out there, get your, your pieces that are going to move them around, uh, and try and just make them waste actions. They typically have very few models, and so making them spend actions moving um, is is annoying if you're a black order player. So, getting good control effects, uh, things like Shock and Hex on Corvus, it gets very sad. Hex is doubly effective because he gets twice as many crits, so you're like, hey, hey, that's going to come up twice as often. Um, uh, Either going control-heavy, which is around status and it's around repositioning, or my big bit of advice uh, is to try and daze Thanos as quickly as you can. You don't have to KO him. Uh, but taking away their leadership, which is a big deal, um, a lot of early Black Order players don't realize that, but that extra one or two VPs they're going to get as part of doing what they want to do anyway, that can swing a game. And getting rid of his uh, cosmic portal, uh, it's so frustrating for the Black Order player going, I'm just going have Thanos move up, I'm cosmic. And they're like, no, he's dazed, you can't do that. It's like, but he never gets dazed. days Thanos. <laughs> players hate I experienced that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't like playing against Asgard or like pretty much Thor, um, because he's one of those characters that's just complete RNG and sometimes the RNG just slays you and you have feel like you have no control over what's going on. Um, so, uh, my advice is, uh, pray to RNGs and, uh, RNG Jesus and that's it. Hope for the best. Cause that's what the game is. <laughs> Uh, sometimes Thor will whiff, Shouldn't and you're that? like, woo, and sometimes Thor will just hit you for like a trillion, and you throw you and make you super sad, so.
0: Yeah. Uh, so next, Kevin Stewart, what affiliation do you have the fewest complaints about, i.e. playing them feels good, and playing against them feels good? My immediate response would be X-Men. I love playing the X-Men, and they're really like, they can be annoying, sure, but compared to some other teams, like they're they're fun to play. Like I've like Spush and I play Shadow, like not Shadow games, but Mirror matches, quite a few times in the recent months uh, of X Men v X Men, and it's just they're they're always fun because he runs a completely different X Men than I do, um, and they're just I I, I just love playing X Men. So
2: it's mm, a good question. I'm trying to think and I think my answer and this might change with a bit more thought but I think my answer is Avengers when I'm playing against Avengers then there's nothing they haven't got a lot of these great turn on plays to really skew the game one way or another but when you're playing with Avengers it always feels great getting that discount on superpowers just like yeah I'll do, I'll I'll throw people for one, great, I'll have Kingpins, another great one in Avengers, I'll throw people for one um so yeah, I mean, they're not stand out competitive, but the games against them—they've got some really some really good pieces in there. They've got an amazing leadership. They've got good tactics cards. Um, yeah, I, I think Avengers is going to be my pick.
1: What's the question? Just like, what do you like to play and play against?
0: Yeah, so it's like playing with them feels good, but playing against them feels good. Like again, like for me, I didn't really iterate on that aspect of it, but. Like they have really cool things and they're fun to play with and they don't do anything that's incredibly annoying. That's like I mean with hard Muscle, there was, but not anymore. Um and cover but cover is I've so never annoying. really played against
2: cover is so What's that? annoying.
0: Yay, cover. I honestly I <laughs> it it can be, but it's it's also like I would rather play X Men ten times than play into Black Order right now.
1: Uh yeah, sure. I, I'm I mean I, I'm biased, man. I love X-Men. I don't know about playing against X-Men. To be yeah. honest with you, I don't play other than you, Dizzard I don't play against X-Men very often. Uh, that like first uh side like when it, when they first came out and there was side events, uh I there was like tons of X-Men mm-hmm. players, and then after that it just kinda dropped off like a rock. Um uh you know, I'm I I'm tempted to say Web Warriors, which is weird because I don't know that i I love playing against them it's just they always feel they always feel super thematic though like whenever i grab like a citizen with web warriors it feels like i'm picturing in my head like spider-man with kind of one-arming a a citizen while like swinging around you know like they they just kind of hit like a lore thing for me um and Mm -hmm. i love the like the feeling of like it's like a chess game with them where it's like oh well this character's here, so they could be like web lined or something. And you know, the, the lifesaver can be used. And Venom to me feels very thematic. Uh, Miles feels kind of thematic to me with, with what he's doing. So I don't know, man. I, I think I'm pretty chill with like playing against and playing with web warriors.
2: Just for our future listeners, this is pre the release of Amazing Spider Man.
1: That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, <laughs> then you're yeah, then no, you're gonna I hate it. I <laughs> hate Amazing Spider Man and hate as in like he no he's, oh, he's super so good and, and I hate playing against him. I it's I torture him. and Blizzard forces this on me all the
0: time. <laughs> I'm sorry, I need to stop playing him. Um, all right. Uh, next, uh, from Shadow Marvel, he would love uh, or um, they would love to hear the group's thoughts about all these fixed, quote unquote fixed. Powers and crisis situations, like Bow being once a turn on Sinister, and whether past characters with similar abilities should have an errata. So, making an errata for Modok to say Bow is only once per turn, or Enchantress is only once per turn. Uh, what's what are your guys' thoughts?
1: So we're we're suggesting an errata.
0: No, 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 no. It's just like what what do you think of like the first? It's like a two parter. So the first thing is is what do you think? about, like, let's just say he gave the example of Sinister. Um, What do you think of Sinister's bow versus, like, Modok's bow? Do you think this is a right move? Uh, And the second part being, do you think the previous characters who have similar abilities should be errated?
2: I think you can definitely see the learning curve that they've gone on uh, at Atomic Mask Games. And they've been learning the game that they've created as they've been going along as well. And we are, I think... It is a good thing that Sinister can only move people around once per uh, once per round, once per turn, whatever it is. Um, and I think probably MODOK should have been like that, but I'm not in favour of erratas um, to characters, unless it is something which is a, a significant problem, uh, like that's not a, a misprint, for example, uh, I don't think it's a misprint that mode it was put like that. I think maybe if the designers had their time again, then might they do it differently? Maybe. But it's just, it's another barrier to entry when someone turns up to a game and goes, oh, that thing that's written down there? No, that's wrong. It's not that anymore. It's this instead. Um, so yeah. I, I, changing a card, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm in favor of that. However, learning from... Uh, Things that have happened in past design and having those influence new design, I think that's the sign of uh, a reflective design team who are learning and constantly looking to improve.
1: I, I um, would be cool yeah, with some I, kind of card pack at some point. Like, if they just release like a hundred characters in like a ten dollar thing, where it's just like all the character cards, and they just modified characters, I'd be completely fine with that at some point. Um, like little tiny things. I'm I'm not saying like the character gets completely reworked. I think that'd be overly aggressive. But maybe. Um, but I mean, I I've heard countless discussions of how Captain America could just be a little bit better, uh, with some very minor changes and changing rules like bow. Um, I agree. We that you can if you play this like if you play the game like we have and you've seen everything from day one to now, it's pretty obvious the things that kind of, you know, caught the de- developers' eye over time and. The little little changes to things to make them a little more fair um is, you know I, I don't want to rat us though like 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 Jacob was saying i think that'd be kind of silly
0: yeah um i completely agree with what you guys are saying it's that's i can't really say much else to the, i do want to that. shout out something <laughs> i
1: heard on turn zero them mentioning this idea of like all secures um well, first, it was, it was the idea was all sec- um, no all extracts when you grab them. If you don't make an attack, you get slowed conditioned. And uh, sooner was saying, what if uh, every time you pick up a secure period, you instantly get slowed? I don't know if that that seems to me tiny bit too dramatic, but like I would like to see the game uh, change how extracts work. Even like my idea, and I, I it, it's a little tricky because I think it would kind of break some characters. But I, I would like no character to be able to do any free actions holding an extract, like like a free movement action, yeah. you know, which sucks because that would mean webline wouldn't work, or, right? Is that what it's called when Miles jumps?
0: Well, like make it, just make the wording like yeah. Storm's leadership, where it's like you can only do it if you're not yeah. holding an extract. I think that's, I think it's interesting, but like if you look at most of the extracts, and I'm saying most, um, they are almost all have a negative impact of some kind. And I think that that just needs to continue. Just introduce some sort of negative impact for the extracts. It doesn't have to be always slow. Just like, like hammers. Like, like Most cases, you really don't want to have three hammers on one person.
1: Uh, sometimes uh, well, you do. But don't, don't there's you, always... Don't tell me what uh, I can't some, do.
0: Some, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I've done it and you've, I know you've done it, and it feels great when you're rolling like 10 dice on a builder attack. Um, but it's just like like each extract, almost each, I'm trying to think of the ones that don't, um, have some sort of negative impact. And it's a lot of times it comes down to like remembering each finite detail about that extract and being like, hey, you, you can only move once uh, because of this extract. Um, I think that's just something that needs to continue is including negative impacts on the extracts. Um, and a lot of them are movement based, if you think about it. like Some are slow. Some are move once per turn. Um, uh, like, there's, I think, what a quarter of them are probably I, I think impacting. seven
1: of them are what I would call negative and four are positive so it's, it's definitely leaning yeah. in the direction you're saying
0: yeah mm-hmm. and I think that's just what they need to do is just more extracts need to come out and be a negative impact or like especially if it's a fast scoring one
2: um, yeah there's, there's no negative on there's that's, no that's negative the on Montessi but you've only got three of them
0: yeah which that's fine. Like I think is fine how it is because it's not like imagine if it was scored two VPs per book. Your like per book. Like that then that would kind of feel bad. Um, and I think everybody would probably be running it because there's no downside to playing. It's a great point value. It's <laughs> you get a, a you get a pretty cool attack off of it. Um, but being one VP and there's only three of them, it it's it's fine. Like I don't think you need a you can only move slow while holding this on Montesi. I don't think it would be fun.
1: No. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, the argument for the slow thing is like to turn the game into like a game of chicken on who goes middle to grab stuff. Like right now, characters like Angela yep. and Amazing Spider-Man and X-Men have kind of uh, like ruined that concept. And if you <laughs> if the character it's had so to move fun, slow though. after grabbing I mean, it would it would at least force some more interaction on and more risk for grabbing things.
0: Um, okay, but what about all the people who aren't running that play? Like, then they're just completely. I mean, no, they're over. just playing
1: the same rules as the other person. I mean, if both people are doing it, then
0: it's fine, right? I mean, like, um, I I don't know. Then I just don't. Then I then I just don't grab the extract of Spider-Man. and I just go beat face with him anyways because he's so mobile. I, I think
1: i wouldn't want it to like, be an actual you know, slow condition because that would actually pre like a buff yeah. for webwares uh a little bit but maybe they just yeah. move with a slow template or something i don't know i i just think it's an interesting um thought experiment of how do you make extracts a little bit more interactive i actually had an idea too that i don't remember yeah. if i mentioned on the podcast but this idea of like an extract called like short range radio or something where you could only score it if it was in your specific Mm. range of a secure Mm. um it's like range four ish or five ish it wouldn't have to be that like close but at least you're forced to be near something i think that'd be interesting um so herbs well no no so like no, the point is, well, yeah, Urbis is right next to... Well, okay, Urbis would be weird, but herbs has, like, a ca- capture zone, which is kind of like a secure. I think you could make that work. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I, I think that would be cool, too, uh, to force interactions. Uh, so if your character's in the board edge, they can't score a VP, which I think that's cool, and it could be a- something to change the direction of the game.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's definitely interesting to think about, but... Um... I don't. I don't really know what would happen. But yeah. Uh, next question from Mark or the roster doctor. Um, does action quantity matter more than action quality in the current meta? And I would say in the current season five meta, no. I think action quality is actually more important than action quantity. Um, soon. Yeah. Well, look at. Corpus. I think it might head. Yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at is Corvus Reality, Corvus Time Thanos. Actually, Time Thanos is more of a action quantity, but he's, I mean, quality, he's quality at the same time. He's, yeah, yeah, that's that's that's. So I see quality more in the current meta, but I do think in the coming, like with all the releases that we're seeing, like the the, the spoiled cards, I do think that you might start to see more competitive uh, swarm lists. I think it's very possible. I know Sooner's working on some.
1: Sure. I uh, I might want to define what we mean by action qua- quantity because things cannot be actions, but super impactful. For example, bowing somebody or stealing yeah, an extract from Chantra. So I've always seen um, them. As, I guess you could call them sort of free actions, but they are costing you power, which is a resource. But I do think uh, mm-hmm. just a if you add in those things like an activated ability, I think that is huge. Um, that's why Modok has been king. Is not only is he rolling great dice, but he's using all those abilities and using all that power gain very, very effectively uh, with the bow and re rolls and you know maybe throwing stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. a throw is basically an action, right? Even though it's not, um,
0: yeah. it's a, kind of. It impacts. It's like an It's an, an, at, impact, it's an okay. attack
1: where you guarantee dice. I mean, it's pretty good um so if you want to count those as actions then i do find it more of uh they're both good you know because if if you're strictly talking actions i think black order is an insanely good example of the actions just being sort of really really high quality right uh where if you're doing like more free action stuff then you know that changes the discussion a little bit
0: that's fair
2: uh, take a- yeah I think we're seeing high quality actions coming to the fore uh lots of brotherhood lots of black order um, and Wakanda. condalu mentioned Wakanda seems to be doing pretty well this season they've got the you know they're just sort of high quality actions they're not uh they're not high expensive models but Panther is a really good four. Shuri is a really good three. Akoye is the best two. So you're getting good quality for what you're paying.
1: I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And it's reliable, right? 100% of the time, all the time, right? I mean, yeah. you, with Wakanda, you just kind of always know what you're going to get.
0: Yeah. <sighs> All right, we're, get, we're getting down there. Um, Mandalore Orange says, what, if any, core rule would you change? Uh, I,
2: I know I'm not alone in this. I've heard the Strike Better guys talk about this, but I think changing some of the turn zero stuff so that priority gets to pick extract or secure, and then maybe non-priority gets to pick uh, threat level, and then priority gets to pick board side again to, to kind of flip that ring. Uh, I think so, that'd be pretty cool. Can you repeat
1: that for me? Sure.
2: You win priority. You pick whether you want extract or secures. We do that bit the same. And then when we flip them over, me without priority, I get to pick the threat level from the two options.
1: And then without priority, you still get to do board edge?
2: uh, No, and then maybe flip board edge to the priority player.
1: Mm, You had me until that part, but it's interesting.
2: Uh, Well, you can fiddle with it, but I think having more agency for the non-priority player in turn zero.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I, that's always, I feel like every game I ever play, it's like, there, there's always discussion about the power of priority, you know, and I mean, Black Order is such a great example of like priority in the game, right? And then even the turn zero priority. I, I, it's very interesting. I, I wouldn't be against what you're saying. The, the board edge thing is very minor, but it sometimes matters um, a lot. So, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Um for me I've always kind of thought, especially when Hired Muscle was big and panic, um, changing how the game ends, just the timing of it. Like if someone scores sixteen, you have to finish out that round. Um something along those lines. I don't really know how it would play out just because it's kind of weird. But like I feel like that would make the game feel better in a lot of circumstances. But now Panic's gone. Uh, so it's really... Or it's not gone. Like, it's still there. And now we have Legacy Virus. So it actually is kind of still valid. But, like, just like the whole, I'm going to start and do this one thing, and you can't do anything to change it. I think being able to finish out that round would be very big.
1: Usurp the Throne is still a thing. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely ways to end a game. for
2: leadership... Um, yeah, those yeah. yeah, that's
1: fair. yeah. I, I would rather they yeah, just fair. avoid creating things like that. But maybe you're right, Blizzard. Maybe if they keep, like, if Usert the Throne, for example, is one of the most powerful ways to score VP within a turn, I'm kind of fine with that. With the, what you just said, so I could I think I agree. Mm-hmm. I think I already said mine. I think the extract game needs a slight tweak, mm-hmm. I, I think the game needs to be encouraging interaction. I totally get the idea that certain affiliations are going to try to be passive, defensive, push people away, but I don't like the idea of people running away, like very, like turn one or or whatever, or turn two. I like running away mm-hmm. on like turn six or five. I think that is something you earned, and I really am not going to. I don't think I'm going to change my opinion on this. I think the game. Uh, actually, it was a really cool thing I heard. Was uh, again, shout out to uh, what is it? Turn zero, but they were saying like you know. The game has a lot of dice variants, and I think that variance uh, kind of tries to even out with a lot of dice rolls. But when you're doing this like runaway stuff, all of a sudden you're doing like maybe one dice roll, and then the character runs away, and it puts a lot of pressure on that dice variance all of a sudden. And I think it's a- against the core mechanics.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, Marcus says what can we learn from tts to make in-person events better also what do you look for or like to see when you go to in real life events uh i'm gonna say first uh these answers will probably be pretty quick and short because we're gonna be doing an episode sometime soon actually pretty much on this um don't know when but soon um but my biggest thing to be completely honest is the people who are playing in TTS using their experience from the leagues and playing games to be a positive community influence at their local gaming store. Um, I think that is probably the biggest thing that people can take away from TTS is going and taking what they've learned and taking it to their game store and being that, um, com- that community, um, I can't think of the word, uh, basically their local game store guy for or girl for TTS.
2: Jacob. Yeah. Um, good organization. I think the guys who run, uh, the the league, uh, I really know what they're doing. They're very on it with the organization. I like the list submission in advance. Um, that'd be something that we could see carried over to more real life, uh, tournaments that way, you know, you have, if it's a big tournament, you'd submit it a week in advance. You get a week to kind of prep and look at lists and think about matchups a bit. Um, Yeah, I'd like to see more of that, more more list submission early. Like I say, about about a week before the event seems good.
1: I actually don't hate that idea because I do think if you don't do that, it punishes more of the people who don't have all the practice time and stuff too. Um, And just like kind of, I don't know, like it's like less gotcha kind of stuff, more like, Mm -hmm. how do I say this? Just. It feels almost more fair, I guess, than, um, yeah, yeah just being surprised with something. Um,
0: hey, go ahead. Well, so I play, I play another game called infinity and that's how they do it. And it's like, you submit your list, uh, for the tournament, like a couple of weeks in advance and it's, it's there, um, because then everybody kind of kind of like get a feel for hey I know like what like affiliations people are trying to bring um, I know what to expect and it's not like a I'm gonna show up and see all the models that people would bring because I can tell you especially once this game hits like hundred models you're not bringing hundred models to a game store and building your roster right then and there um, like because I I've I've seen I've seen it where games like this where you don't have to pre-submit lists. Somebody will go to a tournament and kind of look what everybody's bringing and what like the local like meta of that tournament is looking like for that specific tournament. And then say there's a whole bunch of this one thing. Well, I'm gonna bring what is best against that. Like what I'm seeing the most of. Um, it kind of like gets away from doing that. And I, I've seen it in tournaments. It's at a, tournament. a so really good point. Yeah, so it's like it goes back to you saying, in fairness, um, it promotes fairness, and I just I think it's a lot more organized, and that's that's the biggest thing.
1: I'm gonna say, shot uh, the time the what is this? the clock? I don't even know what it's, the clock time chess clocks. no no the chess clock yeah yeah round timers and you can tell I'm not experienced because I've actually only used the chess clock three times when I played the side league uh, for Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it that much on TTS, um, just because. I feel like you're being punished by the mod like making being fidgety and I feel like the yeah. time was a little too short. I never ran out of time. I never even came close, but I still felt the pressure of like the clock more than I felt was necessary. And uh I but I do think in real life the fact is we are limited. You know, you can't stay in a convention center for 12 hours or whatever. Yeah. You have to actually time rounds and people want to eat lunch and You know, not have rounds go too long and then skip lunch. It's happened to me before. Um, So, not that I was skipping lunch because like I was taking too long, but because literally the the event was taking too long and we just had to skip lunch. You know? Um, Yeah. That's
0: when you just order pizza. Yeah. You know, uh,
1: but nobody wants to be hungry for (laughs) an entire day. That sucks. Um, No. So I. Yeah. Maybe you don't do it for the earlier rounds too. Like, make it more of like a cut thing or something. But I, I. I'm still a little like, you know, not totally on board with like how it all works or I've never used them like in real life before, yeah. but I do think after using it and assuming it's timed appropriately, I think it's just a great idea. It reduces tension uh, when you meet someone you don't know and maybe they're taking a long time and you just don't feel comfortable calling them out. And honestly, uh, for it's really difficult to be a judge and call someone for slow play. It's like insanely difficult. So, you know, yeah. I'm on board. That's fair. All
0: right. Next question from Cathal. I don't know how to oh. pronounce your name. It was uh, yeah. from Fa- Cathal from Facebook. Um, which one leader affiliation could use a second leader the most? There's only
2: one right answer to this, and it's Guardians.
0: Uh, oh, baby. Absolutely. Give me. No, question, I want dude. Star
2: Fox. Uh, Star Fox. Is, i you don't know star so fox bad. is uh Thanos's younger brother who led the guardians of the galaxy He's mm-hmm. the dark guardians uh for a while he's also uh, he's mostly part of I mean, the eternals which've have cool. have got a movie coming out soon so i'm expecting to see some eternals models turn up in mcp at some point uh i'm not sure if star fox is in the movie i haven't looked into it um, but have him and then give him a second leadership for guardians
0: does he do a uh, <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I, had, just, I had to. Yeah, um, I yeah. Um, I I think that's actually kind of interesting. Um, I, I I'd never really read that much Guardians comics, so that's new. But I like that thought. Um, I'm gonna say something funny, but my not my real answer, and that's gonna be. Next <laughs> I was gonna say uh, that was my answer. Oh my
1: they still only have one leader,
0: so. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, not sorry. Um, but. I'm trying to think of X Force.
1: Wolverine. Well uh, did I just do it? Yeah.
0: Mm. Um so, so, no. No. I would say for X Force, I would say Psylocke. Mm. Uh but they don't really need another they're, they're not even out yet, technically. Um oh, <laughs> so it's, kinda, it's kinda it. hard, but I don't want to I don't want to hear that. Yeah, okay. It's X, X Force. X Force was Psylocke or Wolverine as the leader. Give us a second mm. Wolverine. That that's slightly great. Slightly different. I like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. i Wolverine. All right. What, who?
2: Five Threat Wolverine.
0: What's that? Oh, that'd be gross. Um <laughs> but yes please. Uh, Sploosh, please I,
1: I honestly was going to say X-Men cuz like I feel like Cyclops doesn't count, but yeah. I don't even know who it'd be. I I'm, I'm just really memeing honestly. Emma. 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 What
0: about Syndicate? Syndicate? Eh? Cuz they're 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 very they're very like single focused like very single focused. Like uh... they need a side game.
1: I don't know, man. Uh, to be honest with you, like even when uh, you said um, Guardians, I honestly was just like, "That's the yeah. character that needs the Errata thing." Like a, a, a version two point oh, yeah. just Star Lord. <laughs> um, not not that I'm losing sleep <laughs> over it, but like it would be cool to just get a new Star Lord yeah. to be honest with you. Um, and even Cap, uh, uh, you know what? I'm not even an Avengers player, and I'm going to say I want another Cap that's a good leader, or maybe even an Iron Man that's a leader. So that,
0: that's. Uh, maybe with Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I—I'll I, agree though. I think probably the number one is going to be Guardians. They're just—they—they they got so many fun characters that don't really see the table. Just because Guardians is heavily, heavily looked at as like one of the least good I, affiliations. I, I still nice stand by <laughs> that they should
1: have six tactics cards. I—I I, I still to make yeah. up for yeah that to make should up be their leadership getting rid of give them six tactics cards and 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 what they do already i think that'd be yeah. cool that's
0: fair um so next uh mark keeps posting this orange picture um you guys could check the polls when this episode comes out the poll section of the discord and that will make mark happy um Next question. Uh, Shane, what is the 11th model for you? The one that you always want on your list, but never quite makes it. Easy, easy. Um, it's Spider-Gwen. Spider Every go single spider. time. Yeah, go Spider. Uh,
2: she mm-hmm. makes a good number of my rosters, but you're right. There's a good number where I like, I'd like her, but no, she just doesn't fit. Um, I think another one...
0: I think it's funny that we're... Well, well, another one that's on kind that. of in that
2: same role is Vision. There's a lot of lists where I'm like, Vision would be really cool here, but you yeah, it just mm. doesn't quite make
0: it in. Oh
1: yeah, Vision was the last cut for think... X Men roster I had.
0: I think um, for the longest time, another one for me was um, uh, Gamora. To be honest, I liked I like Gamora a lot, wow. but she just she got replaced. She got because it was Gamora, and then Spider went. Like, Ghost Spider came out, and then it was Ghost Spider. Um,
1: uh, from when Medusa came out, that was like the nail in the coffin for my love for Gamora. It's just like, oh, Medusa's too stupid.
2: Well, the trouble is that was a, a lot of the nail in yeah. the coffin for Vision as well, because they mm. can do similar sorts of things often. Same same threat value. Beam attacks, throws. Yeah.
0: Then the other one for me, I would say, would be Cyclops, because I just want to make him work, but it's always just like, eh, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he has a uh more more parts to his question is do you think we will ever see permanent abilities similar to gems for the game for example lead from the front only leaders can use this card get one free small move per game that was just an example he Mm -hmm. gave but basically more abilities similar to gems um i could see them potentially bringing like like the super powerful weapons in as a card um that might be interesting like the gems are being won uh, you can do, you you can do iron like man suits
1: example. or something
2: well an example might be yeah. mjolnir there's been a few characters who've wielded mjolnir uh but that's kind of represented yeah. in the hammers crisis so maybe they're saying they're doing that kind of thing maybe more through crises
0: yeah but then you got the infinity gems yeah like yeah yeah. I, I I could see it be, I could see it being cool if you had like like the su- like some super powerful weapon as a card, but I kind of also like the crazy idea. Um I don't know. I I could go either way with it, but I I could see them doing another thing similar to Gems or like I could, but I also kind of see them maybe not just because of how powerful Gems can be. Um like Corvus is just a monster because of the reality gem. And he's he's good without it.
1: Is he though? no
0: i think he's decent i think he's decent like borderline bad
2: decent isn't
0: good you think so okay fine fine fair enough uh so gems like that's like the only issue that i see happening is if bringing something like that it it's gonna have to be more balanced um like gems are really strong they really are are you Um, saying
1: gems are overpowered i don't know if i agree (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't think they're overpowered but I definitely think that they just add another aspect to the game of trying to balance certain characters and I guess this goes back to Corvus uh, I guess, yeah, you guys are right, he sucks um, without a gem, but imagine if he was amped up but because the gem wasn't taken into consideration, so obviously yeah, the balance well, then of that's bad balance. changed his I mean, character it's,
1: it's definitely more pressure yeah. to balance correctly
0: yeah and as the longer game goes on with how many characters are in this game, it just gets harder and oh, no. harder. Um, you you so wouldn't be... want to make
1: a, like a gem that like, any character in the game could take. That's just asking for trouble. Well, no. It would have to be like no, absolutely. like, I, like, I, like I... Iron Man suits that maybe, like I don't know, War Machine can use. Yeah. Create like a group that used some kind of similar or... thing. Um, we'll I don't do... know what that would be. We'll, uh,
2: one word for you, Sploosh. Chimichanga.
1: Okay. That That's does true. exist. Nice. It's a tactic card. Yeah. I don't think it's good, though. Right? We do we it's, agree that
0: on that? It's all. It's all right. It's. I think it's. I think it's fun.
1: Sure.
2: But I can see that that might yeah. be a way of implementing that kind of mechanic in a. So it's tied to a character, and that character brings in with them their thing, their their cool weapon or armor or whatever, and it can be taken away from them, and it creates another mini game within the game. Um. So yeah, like, I dig it. I don't. It's I a think-
0: good example. Yeah, that's fair. I Again, I could see it happening, but I could also see the argument against it. But I kind of hope it does, because I think it's kind of cool uh, for more. Um, next question is from the German Nick, uh, who is a brave soul to be running Spider-Foes in the Season 5 League. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, what makes a core of characters of an affiliation competitive or appealing to you? And then what does an affiliation core of characters has to bring to the table to be competitive? Um, Is it like utility and abilities, defensive stats, control elements, synergies, combined threat? Basically, it kind of seems like he's asking, what about a core of characters makes them competitive?
2: I think in in a word, it's efficiency. I think efficiency is more important than synergy, probably, in your core characters, because your synergies often you're building off your uh, unaffiliated characters. What you want, I think, out of the core characters is models who are, do what they do well for their cost. So when you look at some examples, Wakanda's got a great example with the Koye, uh, Shuri and Black Panther. I don't think we need to talk more about them. But, you know, Brotherhood's got it as well. I mean Magneto is a great sixth threat and yes he's sixth threat, but he's a great sixth threat. Uh, you've got Toad, who's a fantastic tooth threat It's not quite as good as Okoye, but hes I think he's a clear second for me. Uh, and then you've got Mystique or Scarlet Witch or you know, potentially Quicksilver. I don't love him as much, but you've got their just strong characters who... Um, I mean, Mystique's bringing deception. That's, that's a huge plus for her. And Scarlet Witch is just a, a solid five that can range and brings Mystic to the table. So I think efficiency and... Being able to do things by themselves. Um, Asgard's another great example. You look at Thor; he's not quite as how you might want him because of his RNG that we touched on earlier. But then you've got Valkyrie and uh, Enchantress and Angela, and you just pick two of those and go great. Then plus Thor, and then I'm going to start doing other stuff with my. Uh, I'm going to look for some more of those synergies or more of that support from from my unaffiliated
1: characters. I-, I agree with you, Jacob. Just I would add that having the flexibility to go wide at a low threat value, I think has a lot of merit.
2: Yep. I, I can definitely so, agree with that. Which, again, coming back to Wakanda.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, I, I guess i just leave it at that, right? It's just... What I mean by that is, like, you'd... Like, having, like, Wakanda's four three two, 3 2 and then the x men three three three, um, and And you find uh, teams... That, Like, for example, Black Order is only three characters, and they're super good at, like, 15, but they can be a little awkward at 14. And then, like, these swarmy lists are shorter coming out and proving to be a little bit of, like, a counter uh, to, like, a, for example, Black Order. But then a lot of the power is, like, the ability to field a really good team at low threat. And then a high threat kind of takes care of itself generally um, for the most part. So it really, to me, like the bottleneck is often like 14, 15, 16. If you, if you can do really well there, then you can kind of make the rest work out.
2: Yeah, it can be difficult to uh, like pump those narrow teams, those, those low threat teams up to like 20. Like if you're saying I've got a core of nine and I'm having to get to 20, um, with only two yeah. characters, that that can be tricky.
1: Yeah. Luckily 20 is pretty rare, but no, you're right. And it, Twenty is an awkward number sometimes, um, but
0: I unless you're playing you just me.
1: like if you look at the percentage of games that are like twenty threat versus like kind of the others, I think it's probably pretty low, yeah, so
0: I think you make a very good point though, because like I would think about like how I typically play and what I consider to be real decent, and it's that that um I think it comes back to also mark's question of action quality um of it's like getting the most of your characters for the cost so efficiency slash action quality is how i would sum it up so just wanted to give everybody a big thank you one last time um we're really glad that you like to listen to us and keep us going and uh, let's do a shout out to our patreon if you want to support the show in any way um Go ahead and check out the link in the description for Patreon, as well as join the Discord. Um, we have a special Patreon like little category within the Discord that there's actually some pretty interesting conversations that go on in there. Um, we're starting to get more bonus content for the Patreons, and we appreciate the people who have done it and haven't really gotten a whole lot of extra content um, just due to timing and schedules and uh, me being gone, not able to work on that as much, but there is going to be more stuff coming shortly as I will be home and able to do that. Um, so yeah, feel free. Uh, I'll say one thing that Patreon has definitely helped us out with is getting Jacob that mic, and it's great, been amazing ever since. So thank you for those Patreons who support us. Also. Don't forget to check out theacrossthebifrost.com where you can find all the content creators, um, pretty much all the content creators, most of them anyways. Uh, And it's a great medium to just find everything MCP related. Um, That's done by T.T. or Sun Tzu from Across the Bifrost. And we're also proud to say that uh, check out Discount Games and Black Knight Gaming if you're in the UK. And they are some pretty great suppliers of MCP stuff if you can't get it from your local store. Uh, so yeah, again, last time, thank you for showing us for our 50th episode. And we couldn't be here without you guys and helping us and motivating us to continue to put out content. And we're going to keep on going. And hopefully we'll see where we are in another 50 episodes. So yeah, uh, thanks. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of The Danger Room. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something to level up your next game. You can reach out to us on our Discord, Twitter, or Facebook. The links will be in the description. We have a questions channel on our Discord, so feel free to drop us some questions in there and we'll answer them on the show. Thank you for taking the time and listening to us. If you're liking what you hear, leave a rating or comment or even both. We appreciate any feedback to help us grow and become a better group to bring you the best quality content that we can. See you next time in the Danger Room. Simulation.